In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the, and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Ooh, so good to be here with you. Thanks for coming out. I love Christmas traditions. I uh, have many, and they've changed over the years. And uh, I love this church and and our new Christmas tradition of doing a Christmas Eve service this way. Uh, this wasn't part of the tradition before, and I'm so excited to add this uh, to the tradition and see uh, how this goes going forward. And um, here's what I love. I love that we're in a season of new beginnings, that God makes all things new. And uh, we've been in this incredible season of uh, God doing new new things and bringing new life into the body. And it's so fun to be a part of that. But I love traditions. I have uh, many traditions that are my favorite traditions. Uh, I love eating uh, specific food on Christmas Eve. Come on now. Most of you like panadillas and tortillas and, and pasteles on Christmas. That's not what you eat on Christmas Eve? Okay. So uh, <laughs> that's what I grew up as Christmas Eve food. And, uh, and I know many of you are excited and expecting to eat uh, in the next couple days. And I was thinking about how quickly this year went by too. I think as I get older, the years seem to go by faster. I'm not sure what it is about that. It feels like we were just at Easter and here is Christmas and how exciting to be there. And I'm excited tonight to read through the Christmas story with you. I'm excited seeing uh, family and seeing all of you guys opening gifts and eating food. But I'm also excited for this moment and this part of the tradition where we can celebrate and let the Easter, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in the wrong holiday again, let the Christmas story impact us and our hearts and our lives as well. And I was thinking a lot about the Christmas story. And uh, it's funny, I, I keep thinking about how incredible it is to have one life make such a huge difference. 
How incredible it is that all over the world tonight, somewhere between one and two billion followers of Jesus in different ethnicities, in different countries, in different languages, in different socioeconomic environments across the globe will come together and celebrate the life of one Jewish boy who was born some 2,000 years ago. I was thinking about how one life could have that much impact on the entire globe. We literally split the calendar based on the birth of Jesus. How incredible is the impact that one life can have? And I started thinking about the individual lives that had incredible impact on me. Maybe you've had some lives that have had incredible impact on you. Maybe a parent or an uncle or an aunt or a teacher or a brother or a sister. And the one life had such incredible impact on you. And I wonder in this room how many of you, whether you know it or not, have had incredible impact on someone else. You're, you might be someone else's person who when they think about that cousin, that aunt, that crazy relative or uncle or teacher or friend or neighbor who was kind to them and loved them and demonstrated compassion to them and it changed the course of their lives. It's amazing how one life can have such a huge impact. This is uh, you know, I always nostalgic around Christmas time. I think of Christmas time spent with my grandparents. I grew up with my grandparents till I was nine years old, and my grandmother always said that my mom kidnapped me when I was nine and uh, <laughs> took me away because she felt like I was hers all that time. And so I grew up with my grandmother. And I remember when my grandmother got sick, um, she passed away of uh, cancer. And I remember talking with her and sitting in her living room and then kitchen and talking about her life and and uh, talking about the impact that she had had, loving and so many. My grandmother was one of those women that just fed everybody. It was one of those, one of those feeding. You know, there's different kind of grandmas. There's, there's praying grandmas. There's feeding grandmas. There's cleaning grandmas. There's critical grandmas. None are in this room, I trust me. But, uh, right, there's those kinds of, everyone has that kind of, she was one of those just fed everyone and gave everything away. And I remember sitting in the kitchen talking with her, and she brought up that one of the neighbors had borrowed some things, and she was a little bit concerned that they might not come back before she passed away and then no one would know that the neighbor had them. And I thought, Grandma, I'll just solve that for you because I can walk over there, knock on the door and come back with those things. And she goes, oh, mijo, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. If they need it, they can have it. And I was like, no, Grandma, it's not a big deal. It's, it's easy for me to go over there and, and solve that problem for you. And she said, she said, no, 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 no. We are not those kind of people. If they need it, they can have it. And I was like, Grandma, that doesn't make sense to me. It's so easy. Just let me solve. I mean, you know, I want to solve the problem for her. And she goes, listen, you look around this house, Mijon, there may not be a lot of things, but you watch how many people come to the funeral. And I remember doing my grandmother's funeral, which is not fair. When you're the pastor in the family, you get some responsibilities that just aren't fair for anybody to do. And seeing a sea of faces of lives and people she had fed and things she had just given and given. And I thought, man, the impact and the incredible power of one life to change so much. And we look at the life of Jesus, and I'm not a historian, though I, I love to think about history and we can look back and and I mentioned one to two billion Christians on the planet right now, right now because of one life. 
If I were a historian, I'd take you back maybe 2,000 years and demonstrate the difference and talk about the difference and impact that followers of this little Jewish baby have made throughout the world and throughout time. The way they've changed culture and the way that they've brought health and medicine and care and compassion to the least of these. Christian organizations like the Red Cross and the Salvation Army serving the least of these. How the Christian faith have held off the moral decay of nations. How in America, the first colleges were all all begun by Christians, followers of Jesus, desiring to share knowledge and, and valuing people. Why did this one baby born 2,000 years ago have such a huge impact? How could it be that from a little town, we say, of Bethlehem, a small town in a remote place, a family without wealth or fame, have a baby out of wedlock, he wasn't even born in a hospital. Come on now. He wasn't even born indoors, technically. And yet here we are 2,000 years ago, responding to the birth of this baby. Maybe the angels were onto something when they showed up. Because what they said, if you look at Luke again, what we just read, verse 13, says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. They were praising God and saying, listen to this, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven on, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I got to thinking, Jesus came to bring peace? Jesus came to bring peace because when I look through time and history, I obviously see many windows of time when I wouldn't describe peace in the earth. And as I look at our culture today and I think, well, I don't know if I'd describe it as peaceful. So what in the world is going on? It's funny, even if I just think about the Christmas season, for most of us, the Christmas season has been anything but peaceful. We say this is a time we're going to celebrate peace, yet I went to Walmart today. I'm going to tell you, I have been among the Walmarts, and peace did not reign in that place. Try to get coffee at a Starbucks this time of year and experience that there is not always peace in those places. It's hectic. I've talked to some of you while you've been out shopping for your family, trying to find the right gift, trying to get your family traditions to work just right, trying to make it from party to party or from household to the house. I think I'm already stressed out and we haven't even celebrated Christmas yet. Come on. Yet Jesus came to bring peace? Really? So what is this peace you speak of, angel? What is this peace that you declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests? What is this peace that the scriptures promise, that God promises, that changes hearts and lives, that causes a baby born 2,000 years ago to have impact through history to where we are celebrating his birth today? What is it? Isaiah tried to paint a picture for us some 700 years before even that, and said this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Hmm. Doesn't say the heavenly government. Just says the government. 
For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Whose shoulders? His shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. So what in the world are we talking about, angel? What are we talking about, Isaiah? You certainly couldn't be talking about freedom from conflict, freedom from all wars, but there is a peace that Jesus does provide. There is a peace that changes life and affects history. There is a peace that he brings. And so I'm gonna give you some examples this morning of the peace that Jesus brings. The first peace he gives us is peace with God. Peace with God. Romans 5.1, Paul says it this way, after the life of Jesus and experiencing interaction with the risen Jesus, he starts up churches everywhere he goes and he writes letters to these churches trying to explain to them this is what it's like because of this baby that was born. And he says this in Romans chapter five, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is such a cool picture. He says, listen, Jesus came so you could have peace. The angels declared peace was coming. Isaiah said he's the prince of peace. You wanna know where that peace is? You needed peace between you and God and he provided it. He provided it. We had distance, a gap. There was a space, God in his perfection and holiness and us stuck in our imperfection and unholiness. There was a price that had to be paid so that all of the baggage and weight that we were carrying could be forgiven and let go. And Jesus came and paid that price so we could be at peace with the Father. I think sometimes we struggle with the idea of being at peace with God. I think sometimes we look around and we go, man, God, if you really know me, I don't know if we can be at peace or not. How could you possibly love me, let alone like me? I have a hard time sometimes liking me. Come on. And yet Jesus and the promise of Jesus and Paul's writing is that there was the ability by the grace of God because of the life of Jesus for us to have peace with God. And I wonder if some of us in the room couldn't use peace with God today. Jesus and the whole purpose and the process of this incredible rescue mission His mission was to come and to bring peace between us and God. I love that John, when he writes about it, in the verse we all know, says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Why did he do that? He did that because he wanted to initiate peace with us so that we could know that in our relationship with him, we were okay, that he loved us and cared for us and valued us and wanted us. I wonder if you need peace in your heart with God today. The scripture is clear the way we do that is we invite him and we ask him and we welcome him. Peace with God. (laughs) Second, he came so we could have just peace in our hearts. John chapter 14, verse 27, in red letters, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and do not, be afraid. See, Jesus also came to give us peace in our hearts. Now, we all face storms in our lives and stress and things that come that happen that are difficult, but the promise of Jesus is if you trust me, if you put me first, I will give you peace on the inside. 
If we trust him, if we surrender our troubles to him, then we could have peace in our hearts. And I know for some of us this season, peace in our hearts would be a Christmas miracle. Being able to be at peace and trust that things are okay, that God has got this would be a miracle. Jesus phrases it this way in Matthew chapter 11. He says, hey, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was very concerned that we learn how to have peace on the inside. He cares about the weight that you're carrying in your soul. Sometimes, even at Christmas, having peace on the inside is a really tough thing. Two Christmases ago, after a, a, a Christmas Eve on a Sunday service, we, uh, we drove up to the airport and we flew down to Northern California. So we flew from Seattle to San Francisco on Christmas Eve. It was crazy, but we made it. And we got there and we jumped on what's called Bay Area Rapid Transit. It's a train called BART. And uh, it smells like feet and hopelessness. <laughs> but it gets you from place to place. And so it's a way to work things out, especially on Christmas Eve when your family's doing things and no one wants to pick you up at the airport. So I have my three kids and my beautiful bride. We have massive suitcases filled with presents and joy. And uh, that's where all the joy is stuffed in our suitcase because we're having a hard time getting all these things where we're supposed to get to. We get on the train. It's not the best uh, experience up until this point. Uh, there's, it's filthy, but it just is what it is. And we're riding along and we're staring at each other and we're like, this is gonna be awesome. 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 And suddenly the train stops. We're not at a stop. It's just stopped in the tracks. And we're looking around and people are bumping into us. And, you know, I'm trying to decide whether it's more important to protect my children or the bags that are full of presents. Because <laughs> I'm having that dilemma on which is more valuable in this moment. <laughs> Not a lot of peace. And an announcement breaks out. Our announcement comes over the loudspeaker. We are indefinitely delayed because the train in front of us has a police issue. A police issue? Well, then they come back on and describe a fight has broken out on the train in front of us. And the fight apparently was so violent, they had to stop the train and call the police. And there were several arrests that had to be made. And I'm thinking, isn't this the way you want to spend your Christmas Eve in a fight on the smelliest train I've ever been on? <laughs> Don't you have somewhere else that's more important to be than jail tonight? That doesn't sound like peace. And I'm getting frustrated and I'm getting irritated. And I'm getting agitated because we're not moving. And I remember my bride, she probably doesn't even barely remember this, just looking at me and saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. These are all things you can't control. We're here, we're together, and it's Christmas. It's going to be okay. And there was a peace, come on somebody, that only comes from someone who's confident that the Prince of Peace is in control, even when we're not control. And here's what's beautiful about that. When you catch a hold of that kind of peace, it's contagious to people around you. You've been around some people who maintain peace in ridiculous circumstances, and they drive you crazy. How could you possibly have peace on the inside right now? Don't you realize the stress that's going to happen and what might happen? And what if this goes wrong? And what if this goes wrong? Don't you realize? And somehow in the midst of that, they hold on to peace. 
because they know the Prince of Peace. And they become agents of peace. I don't know if it's wise for me to admit that I wasn't full of peace on the Christmas Eve. (laughs) But thank God for an agent of peace who was there in the moment to remind me, come on now, that the Prince of Peace is still on the throne. Maybe, maybe the peace the angels were declaring was the peace that we need to have in our heart, recognizing that God, come on now, is still on the throne. So we have peace with God. We have peace in our hearts. And the other kind of peace that Jesus came to bring us is peace in our relationships. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 Paul, again, writing to the church, says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. What is he saying? He's saying we have to make every effort, because of what Jesus did, to be agents of peace in our relationships. He says it another way in 2 Corinthians 13. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Jesus reminds us to pursue peace in our relationships with each other. Now listen, I'm not trying to oversimplify conflicts. And I know that at the Christmas season, sometimes the relational tensions that are out there get amplified. And if you've been around when we talk about uh, uh, dealing with forgiveness and relationships, we always talk about boundaries and wisdom. But here's what I want you to know. The Prince of Peace came so that we can have peace in our relationships. He just did. And he encourages us to live as agents of peace relationally. He helps us find ways to have peace with others, even in difficult situations. Because we know the great compassion he's had towards us, we become agents of compassion and mercy, and that helps us develop healthy relationships. I wonder this morning if there's someone that, or this evening, if there's someone that you need to pursue peace with. If you really believe that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, would you trust him to guide you? Would you trust him? to be that? You know, it's a hard thing to think about what peace really means when we talk about relationships out there in the world. And I I think one of the things that Jesus did is he demonstrated for us how incredibly valuable every single person is. He demonstrated for us how much God loved each and every person. And when he did that, it changes the way we interact with people. We become the people who see Jesus in every other people. And it changes things. And it causes us to become peacemakers and people who would have relationship that way with other people. I was wrestling thinking about how hard it is sometimes to see what God sees when we're interacting with people. Because come on now, we see sometimes the the, the stuff. C.S. Lewis once wrote in a book called, well, actually a sermon called Weight of Glory that became a book. He said said an incredible thing. I'm gonna paraphrase it. He said it is an amazing thing to be face-to-face with people who if you saw their future form, you might be inclined to worship them. He's saying if we saw the heavenly form of the person that was in front of them, we might mistake them for God and worship them. He said there are no ordinary people. 
Jesus came so that we would recognize the incredible value of every single soul we run into, whatever ethnicity they are, whatever sociological background they come from, whatever gender they have, wherever they come from in a background, whatever they've been up until this point, they were created into the image of God. And Jesus wanted us to see just how valuable they are. He came so that we would have peace in our relationships, peace with people who were different than us, yet that Jesus loved. It's a strange thing to recognize there's no ordinary people, huh? Jesus came demonstrating that one simple life, a baby, a Jewish baby, could change the world. He came so that we could experience true peace. Maybe today, in a few moments, we're going to light some candles, but maybe today we need to think about where we need peace. Maybe you need peace with God. Maybe today would be a moment where you'd say, Jesus, would you come into my heart so that I could have peace with God? Maybe you just need peace in your heart. You've been carrying a weight that you shouldn't be carrying. And Jesus would say, cast your cares on me. Maybe you need peace with another person. And Jesus would say, would you trust me to be the Prince of Peace today? Let's take a look at this. So that the world may know peace is the whole reason for the Christmas story. I don't normally open with my punchline, but after this year, I think we can all agree peace has been hard enough to find. So I'm not looking to waste your time with clever wordplay or metaphors. I just know we need hope more than ever before. Because unlike ever before, you can literally read never-ending hurt on Facebook posts and in Twitter feeds. And almost every week, it seems we create another hashtag headstone, followed up by arguments with no regard to just how hard Christmas is going to be for a family in that home on this year. So many protests welling up out of passionate fear, filling the streets over political people we will never meet. I see people placing their hope in promises that we all know won't keep and still the news grows increasingly bleak with stories of tragedy after catastrophe. Rumors of economic shatterings, a drug epidemic no one's talking about because we traded truth for substitutes and they ain't really working out. So I think if the world is to ever know peace, there couldn't be a better time than now in this Christmas season where we can run back to that sacred account. It's been echoed for ages on end, a prophecy of a holy God to struggling sinful men that says in order for the world to know peace, a child must be born. And to us a son will be given. The prophecy then states the government will be his alone for the lifting. His names will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. As for the greatness of his government and peace within, they say there will be no end to it. Absolutely no finite measurement. 
Such a promise as this held all of creation in breathlessness for over 700 years without a single shred of evidence. But then on a midnight clear in Bethlehem, a star proclaimed God was finally with men. It was the first recorded Christmas held in a dirty, dirty stable where God incarnate laid as a baby in the manger. All of heaven sang of a savior and shepherds came with tears bigger than Cubs fans in November. The world's first time with Christ is why we celebrate every December. December, my friends, I'll say it again, that the world may know peace is the real reason for Christmas. This isn't a ploy to make you forget about pain and reality. It's just so you know my God's in the business of being peace to humanity. So down to earth he came, knowing full well he would have to be pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. He took all of our punishment so we might be free, and by his wounds we might meet peace. I hope you're getting this. Peace isn't found in a feeling. Jesus Christ is peace. And I wrote this just so that you could meet him. Merry Christmas. Amen. I hope you all have a candle if you didn't get one as you walked in there by the door. Maybe someone could help me uh, at the door. Make sure, just wave and we'll make sure you get one, but... We, uh, we've been celebrating the advent and the coming of Jesus. And on this day, we light the Christ candle, recognizing that peace has arrived in the world. And uh, I thought about this this afternoon, and so I have no idea if this will work. So welcome to Experimenting 101 but here's the picture I had for tonight as I was praying and thinking about tonight. I think that for some of you, this year was the year in this calendar year where you made peace with God. And God did something incredible. Maybe you got baptized this year. Maybe this was a year you rededicated your heart to Jesus. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus this year. Maybe, maybe this year was your year. And I thought maybe we'd do something a little bit different tonight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on something that may not work because people are naturally shy and I get it. But if this was your year this year, would you just stand? And we want to celebrate. If it's not safe to stand here, then it's not going to be safe to stand anywhere. Would you just stand so I can see? We can see. Yeah. Look at all over this place. This was your year where you said, yeah, I'm coming. I came back to Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. I made a decision. I want to invite those of you that are standing to come on up and light your candle. And then we're going to make a line across the front here. And I'm going to invite in just a moment all of you who are standing to go and light the candles of those who are still seated. So come on up. I know I, I didn't prep you. I didn't warn you. I, did, I know I got you out of your comfort zone. Come on, church. But I want you to see something here. I want you to see the power. Yep, you can come right over here. Maybe if you get lit, you can lit a, another person because I, I, I know how this was going to work. Come and light your candle. Yeah. Listen, church. I want you to see that we're family, so we're just doing family stuff here. But I want you to see something. These are lives that in this year, they stepped out in faith and made a decision to trust Jesus. And this is the thing that peace does. Peace is contagious. And when one person experiences, come on now, the peace that Jesus brings, 
Then they meet someone else. They introduce that person to the peace that Jesus brings. They meet someone else and they introduce that person. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you guys stand across the front here because I want our church to celebrate some lives. Brayden, you didn't get baptized this year? Hop up. I'm talking to you. Here, I light you. I got you. I told you I didn't know if everyone was gonna have the courage to do this. <laughs> Come on up here. Maybe this was your year. You got baptized. You made a decision. Yeah. And then I want to invite you guys now to just walk through the rows and begin to go ahead and, and light people's candles. And when your candle's lit, you can stand. My prayer this Christmas season is that the God of peace who got into the hearts of the people of God would pass on to the next, to the next, and to the next, and that you would experience his peace this Christmas season. Hallelujah. Jesus, I am so incredibly grateful for the peace that you provided this year. God, more than I even expected in the moment, lives you transformed and changed and demonstrated, God, your faithfulness in this moment and in this place, and we celebrate that. And God, I'm so excited that as we are ambassadors of that peace, so that the world may know. We become a link in the chain, a life that someone looks back at and says, because of that life and the peace that was on display in that life and the love and the compassion, my life was changed. Give us eyes to see. Give us, God, the courage to step out and step into the peace that you've provided. And we're so grateful for it. And so we say thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving the world so much that you gave your only son, knowing the mission and understanding the price that would be paid for each and every one of us. You did it for the joy set before you, which was every life represented here. Thank you that light came into the world and the darkness, though it didn't understand it, it could not overcome it. The light always overcomes the darkness. And I pray that we would remember in this season, not just the story of your birth, but the effect and the reson resonant changes because of your life. That we would join in the chorus of literally billions singing that joy and life and peace has come into the world. We add our voice and our strength and our uh, God family community to that. And we say, we love you and Merry Christmas.